Well, today, the series This Is Us has come to an end. But this is us. The, the, the confession, the rubber band, everything that defined us, listen to me because it's a big thing to say, will never end. I believe 10 years from now we'll still be saying this is us because it has defined who we are. Because it ain't about us. We just know who we are. Are you with me, church? So I thank God for the generals that God has put in my life. So quickly God is gravitating men who God set aside to change the world. He's bringing them in my life. They're speaking things in my life. It's unbelievable. So I have to give credit where credit is due. Standing in World Harvest Church, which was, you just don't even know what that meant for me to be at Dominion Camp Meeting. Hearing the man Rod Parsley preach a message that reminded me of 1991 when he preached repairs of the breach. He, I'm talking about he called the preachers out. He called the church out. You need to go back and watch it. It was unbelievable. But in the middle of worship, man, I was dancing and shouting beside Bishop Clint. And it was him. So I got to give him credit. It was him that spoke it into my life. He turned around and looked at me and he said, Pastor Larry. He called me Bishop. He said, Bishop Larry, look at me. I looked at him and he said, I think I heard the Lord say. No, he didn't even say I think. He said, I heard the Lord say, when you go back to Birmingham, are you thankful that you got men and women in your life that's not afraid to speak into your life? That you've given permission. See, nobody speaks into my life like that unless I've given them permission to. Have you given me permission to speak into your life today? About 30 of you have. Because here's the reality. If you didn't just say amen and yes, then you got to ask yourself, why didn't you? You have to ask yourself, why didn't you? Why wasn't it important enough for you to say yes, speaking to my life? Okay. He said, when you go back to Birmingham, he said, you pray about it. But I think you need to tell Solid Rock Church for six months, over six months, over half a year, you've been getting us in shape. You've been getting the house ready for something. He said for six months, it has been this is us. But for the next six months and beyond, you're moving from this is us to this is that now if y'all don't even know yet that's okay because you're about to know what that means I'm telling you it was like somebody took a baseball bat and just hit me right upside the head I about fell out in the altars of World Harvest Church because I knew what my bishop was saying are y'all with me church are you ready See, I was strategic. I took the microphone because I knew what I was going to preach today. Holy Ghost said, you better get that microphone now because there's too much you got to get out. And it's already 11.05. Touch your neighbor and tell them it's going to be okay. Acts chapter 1. I watched a man named Bishop Tudor Bismarck who is over a 1,000 churches in 27 countries, walked to the platform last Sunday night, opened up his Bible, read one scripture, walked away and never stepped back to the pulpit again, and preached and quoted Acts chapter 1 all the way through Acts chapter 19. Not every verse, but the highlights of, of every chapter he preached, everything that happened in Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. And he was on his way to finishing the whole book of Acts when the Holy Ghost fell into place and he lost control of it. I'm talking about no notes. We need the book of Acts being preached again. The former account I made, Acts 1, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. How I many know some people teach, other people do? Some people teach and then they try to do. That's absolutely backwards of the way God illustrated his message. He did it and then he explained what he did. 
I'm telling you, I'm tired of the church always trying to teach us how we're supposed to be, but never giving us the example of what it looks like. We're going to teach on miracles, but by the time we get to teaching on miracles, it's just going to be so that you will understand what you just saw. I wish I had 10 people in here to shout amen. He began to do and teach. That's what Jesus did. He didn't teach and then do. He did and then he taught. These signs shall follow them that believe. Huh? But we spend too much time teaching about the signs that the signs don't ever follow us. Mm. Verse 2, until the day in which they was taken up. Talking about Jesus. After who through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had presented himself alive. Now listen to this. After his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them for 40 days. I've preached on this many times. But now watch this next part. And speaking to these to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Notice he wasn't just walking around for 40 days going, look y'all, I'm alive. Jesus is very intentional. He wants us to be intentional. So, so we ain't got you but for a couple of hours when you come here at the most. Some of y'all don't get here until the third song, so some of y'all we ain't got but 90 minutes. But every how much time we got you, we're going to be intentional with that time. We're going to not waste your time. We're not going to entertain you. We're going to demonstrate the power of God. I got up this morning, I was thinking about that scripture that Paul said. Paul said, I came not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but rather in the demonstration of the power of God. I didn't come to impress you with my words. If my words don't have power behind them, there's, there's nothing different than me going to some uh, super seminar down at the BJC see, to find out how to be your best you. I don't want you to find out how to be your best you. I want you to find out what it means to be a child of God. I ain't playing with y'all today. Can you imagine the conversations, David, that happened during those 40 days? Now, we know a few things that were said, but for 40 days, watch this. For three and a half years, Jesus talked of the things of the kingdom, building up to his death, burial, and resurrection, speaking things that they were going to do after that fact, remember he said, these things shall you do and greater shall you do if I go to my father. Now, he was walking around in a glorified, supernatural body. Post-resurrection body. Do you understand that the things that he taught on the kingdom that were coming for them took on a whole nother level of significance when he began to remind them of the things that he taught pre-suffering, pre-stripes, pre-nails in the hands and feet, pre-crown of thorns, pre-spear in the side, where now he could say, you know when I was talking about those that, that don't eat my flesh and drink my blood are not worthy of me, and everybody left me except for y'all, just a couple other people, now you understand what I meant. Are you hearing me? For 40 days, his teaching on the kingdom went to another level. And it culminated at the end of 40 days. Now, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. How many knows if the doctor told you, I'll use myself as an example. If the doctor told me, if you come into my, 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 my room and said, listen, uh, you need to get your house in order. Because all the tests say you've got literally 24 hours to live. 24 hours from now, you're gone. How many knows that if I knew 
that I had 24 hours to live. If I knew that in 24 hours I would not see my wife and kids again, I would never see you again in the natural until we met in heaven again. How many of those? I would be very, very intentional with my words. This as much as I love Alabama football, I would not talk about Alabama football. Come on, you hear me? As much as I love Rocky movies, I would not talk about Rocky. Star Wars. I wouldn't even talk about Star Wars, Nancy. I know it's shocking. I got news. I wouldn't even talk about my favorite preacher. I wouldn't talk about my next series. I wouldn't talk about my next book. I would make sure that my children and those that meant the most to me knew as much about what they needed to know about what was going to help them survive and thrive and succeed and for them to know how much they mean to me. I would want my last words to be powerful. So for 40 days, he could have been raised from the dead and said, see, told y'all, see in heaven and shot up to heaven. But he took the time, are y'all hearing me? To walk around and make sure everybody's questions were answered. To make sure everybody understood. Man, you don't believe me? Touch my side. Touch my thorn. Touch the holes in my hand. Come on, go ahead. Whatever question you got, I'm here. I need everybody to understand this is really me. It really happened. But when the 40 days come to an end, on that last day, nobody else knew what he was going to do, but he knew what he was going to do. He knew at the end of the 40th day, he was going to climb the mountain, Mount Olive, Mount of Olives, and he was going to stand on the top, and he was, going to, he was going to speak one last time to his followers. And then they were going to stand there, and they were going to watch him disappear into the clouds. It's been over 2,000 years ago when that happened. He's gone in the clouds, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Heaven knows he ain't really gone. His Holy Spirit is here. But would you not believe that if that was if he if he took the time if it mattered enough to him to spend 40 days explaining the things of the kingdom that he would not end oh y'all ain't going y'all y'all better hear me that he wasn't going to end with a command that would only manifest for the first generation of Christians and then no longer be effective for anyone after that Do you not think that his last words, he knew that thousands of years later we would still be reading them, and I believe there's no way he would give a command and an utterance and a declaration over what he wanted to happen in your lives as believers to only be for the disciples, and when the apostle John died of a, of a natural death, he was the last one that died with the power of the Holy Ghost, and all the rest of us, all we can do is read about what happened to it, and it no longer is effective for us. God is not the author of confusion. That's confusing to me. If his declaration, what I'm about to read to you, was only for those people and not for me, it's confusing to me that Jesus, in all of his intentionality of how he was always intentional with everything he did, that he would drop the ball on the last thing he ever said that really didn't apply to me. Woo, I feel him, I feel him, I feel him. See, he told him, go to Jerusalem and wait. He commanded them. Acts 1-4 says this. Watch, you got to see this. And assembled together with them, he commanded them. Somebody shout command. Richard, stand up, Richard, so everybody know who, who the general is. This man right here, come here, Richard, come here, Richard, come here, come here. Come on, show some love. He goes by many things, king, general. How many tours did you serve in combat? Two. Two. Where did you serve? Iraq, Afghanistan. Iraq and Afghanistan. Come on, show some love, show some honor. When you were there, 
Was you over other men? Yes, sir. So in other words, you had the authority to give a command. Yes, sir. When those boys who might have had, no disrespect here because I don't know how much education you've had, more education, more money, their mamas and their daddies got more stuff back at home than you ever had. Don't matter who they were. If they was under you and you gave them a command, what did they do? Execute. Execute. Huh? Now, what? How would you respond if you gave a command to one of your boys and they did not follow through with the orders? You might not need to answer that. <laughs> Don't want to get you in trouble. They would be in trouble, right? They'd be in trouble, big trouble. In fact, if they continued and you desired to do it, you could even have them court-martialed. That's right. Because when you disrespect and disobey a direct command, you are not just in rebellion against you because your authority didn't come from you, did it? That's right. Where did your authority come from? Those who are appointed over you. Those who are appointed over you. All the way up to the chief of that branch of government, and even those are uh, the, the joint chiefs of staff, and above that is the commander-in-chief. That's right, the president. So, so every command that you have has the backing and the authority of the United States of America. Yes, sir, the president. Come on, the president. Give, him, give the Lord praise. Now watch this. If that's the case, where in the world did you find the place in your life to disobey a direct commandment, not of the commander-in-chief of the United States of, of America, but the commander of the hosts of Israel, the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, I'm preaching good. This ain't some suggestion. He commanded them, don't leave from Jerusalem, but wait on the promise of the Father. Which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, everybody say together. They asked him immediately. Religion crept in. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He thought, they, they thought this is what it was all about. He said, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. We're talking about authority here. But you, look at your day, put your finger up and say, you. But you shall receive power, power, wonder-working power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. My God, I feel Jesus. And you shall be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. See, one of the biggest problems with the modern-day church, and let me say the modern-day Pentecostal and charismatic church, is there is no power. Huh? There is no power. We teach about power. We preach about power. We write books about power. But there's no power when we come together. See, Jesus is all-powerful. How many of Jesus is God? He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the one that was and is and is to come. But he even knew because of the dominion that he placed here on this earth in Genesis 1.26 when he gave man dominion, that anything that happens here on this earth happens at the authority of man. That's why he became a man. So everything he did, he did as a man who was God, not God who was a man. So he understood that my time, listen, this is going to sound like heresy to some of y'all, but hear me out. Jesus understood my time with 12 men, which by that time was down to 11, because Jews had done betrayed him and killed himself. My time with 12 men, no matter how much I broke down the kingdom, my words with them, if that's all I left them with, they could pass down my words 
But if they just pass down my words and my words alone, this vision, this thing called the church will never last. Because you got to understand something. This is a book full of pages. On these pages are letters and ink. But by itself, how many knows an atheist and somebody that hates God can study this book just to learn how to come against you? Without the power of God, this book would not even still be in existence. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew it is my word that heals them. I know that. It is the word that we quote. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We understand the power of the word. But what makes the word and his teachings and his breaking down that he did with his disciples effective. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. It's because he told them, all that I did for you, there's one more thing you've got to have. Or all of it will be for naught. you got to go. I command you to go. And don't wait until you shall receive power power somebody shout power in verse 12 they return to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet which is near Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey and when they had entered Jerusalem, they went up. Somebody say, you went up. They went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, listen to this. Listen, 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 listen. Because some of y'all skip right over. When, when you see somebody list something or something in Scripture, you just skip right over it. You need to read. Some of y'all need to read the, uh, the begats. Some of y'all won't start a new Bible reading every year in Matthew. And you skip all the way through to the birth of Jesus. And you skip all the begats. You, the begats are in there for a reason. Peter, what, who was watch what was in this room? This is a few of the ones that was in this room. Peter, James, John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, not the Judas that betrayed him, but watch this. These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. I thought I'd have some women in here shout a little bit right now. They wasn't put outside. They wasn't told to sit down. They were in the room, baby. With the women. And hold, watch this one. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his half-brothers. What? First of all, the women were in the room. <laughs> you tell me that God don't want his power on the women of God? I got news for you. Now, with all due respect, men, I love you because I is one. Praise God. But watch this. I love the men. But I got news for you. If you want somebody to touch God for you, if you want somebody to pray your grandbaby's home, you need to find you a praying grandma. You need to find you a woman of God who's got the power on their life. And I'll tell you, demons tremble when a woman of God prays in power. Somebody shout yes. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was commanded by her son. Mary, mama, you too. Don't you know? A lot of folks, if that was to happen right now in our generation and even hundreds of generations before us, and they would all stand there in a group, they would have grabbed Mary and they'd have had an entourage and they'd pull Mary off and they'd have said something like, Mary, you don't need that because you're the mother of Jesus. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Everybody needs this. Mama, including you.
There's something that needs to, you need to get something about the fact that before they ever achieved the power, they had to choose to go up. First of all, they had to go up to Jerusalem. Second, when they got there, they had to go up to the upper room. Now, God will always reach down to where you're at. But we're not talking about God reaching down to us. We're talking about us reaching up to God. Come on, you hear me? Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Abraham had to take his son Isaac up the mountain of Moriah. He told the boys that came with him at the bottom, he goes, listen, where I'm going, where me and my boys are going, I'm on a mission and you can't go with me right now. Stay right here and take care of the donkeys and all the other stuff. Read your Bible. And he looks at his son. He says, me and my son, watch this, are going up the mountain to worship God. And we will come back to you. But what they didn't know, nobody knew but him. God had told him, take your son, your only son, on the top of Mount Moriah and take a knife and stick it through his belly and kill him and sacrifice to him to show me how much faith you have. Oh, we don't like that part, do we? Because it don't make sense. But watch this. Abraham didn't know how. He didn't know when. He just knew God somehow was going to bring his boy back. Because he knew, oh, y'all hear me. When you've heard from God, you can climb through any devil, through any jungle. When you are climbing a mountain that God told you and commanded you to climb, and there's power waiting on you, I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. But I got news for you. You need to have faith to know that if God told you to climb that mountain, he has got you. He has got your family. He has got you. He said, don't worry. We'll be back. Got up there, built an altar, had his boy to help him build the altar. Whole time he's looking around going, okay, God, I'm still doing what you told me to do. I know I can't go to the next level till I obey you. Went and got the wood. He said, boy, go get this wood. Bring the wood. Had his own boy. Put the wood on the altar. They're getting ready. He'd been trained by his daddy to know what's about to happen. There's about to be a sacrifice. Now, as he looks at his daddy and says, Father, I see the altar. I see the wood. But where is the lamb? Listen, listen. Listen, when you're on the mountain, when you're in the glory, no matter what it looks like, this is what faith looks like. This is why he's called the father of the faith. He looked at his son. He says, son, the Lord will provide a lamb. But wait a minute. If you read it in the original Hebrew, it says it this way. He actually said, son, the Lord shall provide himself as a lamb. It was a dress rehearsal. Are y'all hearing me? It was a dress rehearsal of what Jesus was going to do for us one day. He looked over in the midst of the thorns. Reminds me of a crown of thorns. Come on, somebody. He looked over in the midst of, a th of, of thorns. And the Bible said out of nowhere, they saw a ram, a lamb caught in the thicket. Come on, somebody. But they had to go up. David went up to the same mountain, Mount Moriah. He purchased a plot of land, called it the threshing floor. It would later be renamed Jerusalem. On that same exact spot on the mountain that Abraham's faith was tested and passed, Solomon would build the temple. A majestic temple overlaid with gold that would cost a trillion dollars to rebuild today. On the spot where I, Abraham said, the Lord shall provide himself a lamb. On the same mountain 
that he would be betrayed. On the same mountain that he would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. It's 1131 if you're taking medicine. I don't want you to miss your pill. Moses went up to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. But more than that, he saw the backside of God. He was hid in the cleft of the rock on the side of the mountain. Isaiah said, I was in the Spirit. On, on, the, on the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. But the only way I could see him is I had to go high because he was high and lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So they had to take him up on, a, on the top of a hill called Mount Calvary, the place of the skull. And all everybody else was beneath him. But at that moment, nothing was higher than that cross. And they raised up that cross. And on that cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Not long after that, post-Holy Ghost outpouring, Peter went up on the rooftop to pray. And while he was up on the top, praying, He's like, Lord, I want to know your will. You have to get away. Sometimes you got to get away from everybody. Sometimes you just got to go up where nobody else is willing to go. Come on, do you hear me? Sometimes you got to climb a mountain that everybody else wants to stay at the base. It's okay. You still love them. God still loves them. But sometimes God wants you to go to a place that nobody else is going to go. You got to be willing to go not just for you, but for others. Peter went up on the, on the rooftop thinking it was for himself. He was hungry. I'll just go up here and take a nap pray a little bit but the Lord said no son you think you're up here on this rooftop for yourself but you're up here because there's an entire race of people including all of us called the Gentiles that needs what you got you're not coming am I preaching good this morning Then we come to Holy Ghost headquarters. I'm coming to a close. This is my foundation for this new series. This is called an introduction. Because I'm telling you, man, next week, that's all I'm going to say because I say anymore, I'll preach it right now. I got a word for next week already. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come in that upper room, they were in one accord in one place and suddenly. Tap your neighbor and tell them it's time for a suddenly moment. Mm-hmm. There came a sound from heaven. You need to underline that because I'm going to preach on that next week. And a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided tongues like as a fire that set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mm-hmm. Speak with other tongues. We live in a time when Pentecostal preachers are worried that the power of the Holy Ghost will scare people away. I'm here to tell you that it is the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to draw them to Jesus. They've seen ritual. They've heard the mantras. They've gone through the, the menial cycles of what religion has offered them. And they are leaving by droves. Church attendance is plummeting at a speed like we have never seen. Why? But wait a minute. In the midst of church attendance plummeting, those that are hooking up with witchcraft and demonic activity is skyrocketing. Well, you may say it's because the devil... It's the last days and the devil knows he's running out of time so he's meaner than he's ever been. The devil has never been a mean, meaner one day than he's ever been. He's just the devil. The problem is the devil's not meaner. The problem is it does, spiritual warfare that's happening out there and people buying into this demonic supernatural forces is not on the rise. The problem is the power of God is on the decline. And people want something that's going to change their life. That's going to have, give them a sense of something bigger than themselves. If they can't get it from the church, the devil is lining up. 
And they were dwelling. This is powerful. Because most people don't preach about this part. And they were dwelling, verse 5, Acts chapter 2, in Jerusalem. Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, when this what occurred? When this sound occurred, what was the sound? Well, it was a combining of the sound of a rushing mighty wind. But the sound that we're talking about here is not the sound of the rushing mighty wind. Because the only one that heard the sound of the rushing mighty wind was the 120 that was in the upper room. So what is this sound? This sound that they heard coming out of the upper room and down into the streets and all through Jerusalem, emanating through the alleys and the backways to where every nation was represented there in Jerusalem, heard the multitude was drawn and came together. The multitude came together. Wait a minute. When, not until something happened. What had to happen first? Say it loud. When this sound occurred, the multitude was drawn to the sound. While we are working to make church quieter, and wondering why people are leaving, people are not attracted to quietness. Rod Parsley said Friday night, silence is the sound of defeat. Shouting is the sound of victory. Huh? And I got news for you. There's a remnant being raised up right now who are silent no more, baby. I'm tired of being quiet. I'm tired of keeping my mouth shut. I'm tired of keeping the peace. I'm tired of letting the devil grab this country and drag it to hell. We're going to call the devil out. We're going to preach on heaven. We're going to preach on hell. We're going to preach on salvation. We're going to preach on sin. We're going to preach on sickness. But we're also going to preach on healing. Silent no more. Somebody shout, silent no more. Sit down. Coach Bates, I love you, man. Y'all sitting there thinking, what have we got ourselves into today? We're just a little crazy for Jesus. I'm going to get you out in time for y'all to get y'all a good steak today. Y'all, y'all don't worry. Y'all eating right now, ain't you? How many's eating good right now? Oh, well, well, how many's eating good right now? And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. Now, watch this. They were confused. Now, now, some people, if they stop right there, you say, see that I told you. You scared them. No, no, no. They wasn't confused, scared. They was confused because everybody heard those 120 people speaking to them in their own language. They could understand everything that was being said. In fact, it goes on to say they heard them magnifying God. One guy speaking, you know, Mandarin, standing right next to somebody speaking Spanish, standing right next to hearing somebody speaking Italian, all heard the same message. None of them could even communicate with each other, but they all heard the same thing. They look at each other going, that's what, what was going on. What's going on? How is this possible? These are, the Bible said, are these not the Galileans? That, that, was, that was a statement of saying, like, aren't these people from Trafford? <laughs> Nothing against Trafford. I'm a Traffordite. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these, these Traffordite people trying to tell us elite people what to do? I know they ain't no educated people. 
See, it was the religious capital of the world. That's why God had to do it there. It still is. At this time, the bigwigs from the church world were all in the city. Because they just come from Passover and now they're going all the way through the celebration of Pentecost. All the big names in the big denominations, all the ones that are coming to you, what's up, Doc? You got a card? Let me see a card, man. Give me come preach for you sometime, Doc. All the preachers, David knows what I'm talking about. I've worked in camp meetings, man, where they don't come to praise God, they just come to show off and hand out cards and get in preaching engagements. They were all in town. How many are thankful that he didn't choose to hide his power? Are you thankful that he didn't just choose to let it just stay up in that room, but he let it emanate through the walls? Peter later on said, I'll preach this in the coming weeks. He said, let me tell you something. Don't be confused by this. This ain't just for me. This is for you, for your children, for your children's children, as many as the Lord God calls. I'm hurrying. I'm almost through. Devout men. The Bible said there were devout men there. You look up that word devout, it means wealthy and full of power. I got news for you. Holy Ghost power is not just for the struggling grandma and the single wide trailer on the backside of the tracks trying to take care of a bunch of uh, hungry babies needing God to manifest. The power of God is for the billionaire sitting in the, on the top of the building that's got resources, but he's still lonely. He's thinking about killing himself because his kids don't want to have anything to do with him. His wife is having an affair on him. Come on, somebody. He's having multiple affairs himself. He's trying to shove everything in that God-shaped hole as he can. He's got everything that you you and I would ever dream to have but he don't have peace he don't have joy he don't have power and he's thinking about putting a shotgun in his mouth and blowing his brains out I got news for you this power is for him too by the way it says people from every nation. That word nation is the word ethnos, which is where we get our word ethnic, which is where we get race. Hello. This power is supposed to be operating in every race, every ethnicity. And oh, wait a minute before you shout. We're supposed to be praising together, all races together, not segregated, but together. Somebody ought to shout amen. See, when the power of God really falls in a city, there is no race. When the power of God falls in a city, you know, I, I, know, I know what some of y'all say. Y'all go down to that white boy's church. Or somebody else says, you go down to that black preacher's church, that black church, that white church. I'm about as sick of that right now. If it wouldn't throw, if it, if it wouldn't mess y'all up, I could literally make myself puke right now. That's how upset I am about that. Sick of it. Which, by the way, you're wrong anyway if you call me a white boy. If you ain't figured that out yet. What'd you say, Tamara? Come on, I'm one of you. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's my ultimate compliment. You got that right. This is us, baby. I truly am a black man trapped in a white man's body. I don't know what you were doing, Lord. See, I'm closing. I'm closing. Watch this. I can't even say all these names. Listen to these people Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judah, Capodicea, Cappuccino. I mean, <laughs> huh? The people of Cappuccino were there. And God said, it might have failed on 120, but let's go back to what Jesus said. When this power comes upon you, you will be my witness. In other words, you're supposed to take what happens in that room. And that's what they did. Now I'm closing. 1147, because we still got to take up offering. Y'all ain't getting out of here without taking up an offering. Y'all know that, right? Huh? 
That's grace, brother. God's giving you grace. I'm going to close number eight. Grace to handle. What is nine? Nobody preaches on nine. See, what's this? So they were amazed and perplexed. Verse 12, saying one to another, what could this mean? Others mocking, saying, oh, I know what's going on. They are drunk. They are full of new wine. See, what you got to understand something about people that's drunk. People that are drunk, when you are drunk, you believe you are stronger than you really are. When you are drunk, you have boldness to take on others that you know you would never do if you wasn't drunk. When you are drunk, you see things that nobody else can see. When you are drunk, you hear things that nobody else can hear. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you, go out and get you a fifth of Jack Daniels, but I'm talking about it's time for you to belly up to the bar. It's time for you to drink a little new wine. It's time for you to get some power in you and get drunk in the Holy Ghost. It's time for you to see things that nobody else can see. It's time for you to hear things that nobody else can hear. It's time for you to want to fight some devils that you would never want to fight on your own. It's time for you to believe you're stronger than what you really are in the natural. Slap your neighbor and tell him it's time to get skunk drunk in Jesus. Notice I had to make sure I threw in in Jesus. Some of y'all be like, I'm in Jesus, that's all right. I see the Lord high and lifted up. I ain't talking about that kind of drunk. When you are drunk, you ain't never danced in your life, but you'll dance. Huh? You know you cannot dance, but you don't care when you are drunk. You'll be like, woo, come on, baby. You think you look cool. Everybody in the, in the bars laughing at you, but you think they are amazed at you. How many knows when you are drunk, you will approach people and strike up a conversation? <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> See, what I'm trying to tell you is when you get drunk in the Holy Ghost, some of y'all don't know how to witness. Some of y'all don't know how to reach out. Some of y'all don't know how to share your faith. Just get drunk every morning when you get up in the Holy Ghost and when you walk into your job, praise God, you'll come up to somebody and say, hey man, what's going on? Can I pray for you? There'll be a boldness on you. Let me tell you the problem of the church. No disrespect to the millennial generation because I want to be a church that reaches this millennial generation and beyond. But one thing in the modern church and millennial generation that we have a huge, they have a huge, magnificent revelation of, and that's worship. There's never been a generation that has written the most powerful worship songs that we have ever known than this generation. I'm talking about worship. Worship. But they do not have a revelation of praise. We have lost the power of praise. We know how to worship which can bring healing, can bring healing, and all these kind of things. But praise is what brings the walls of Jericho down. Praise is what eliminates the barrier between us and our miracle. David danced before the Lord with all his might. We need to learn how to dance again. We need to learn how to, see, that's one good thing about church. You can be the worst dancer in the world out there, but in church all you got to do is jump up and down. People think you're dancing. Closing number 25. This is it. I got to read this now, the King James Version. Because this is where I memorized this about 25, 30 years ago. Out of the King James, I like how it says it. So I'm going to skip over to the King James. Make sure we go on the King James. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Now, Peter stood up. Watch this. While they're saying, y'all drunk, Peter stood up and said, lifted up his voice, ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you 
and hearken unto my word. Next verse. For these are not drunken, as you suppose. Notice he did not say they were not drunk. He did not say these are not drunk. He just said these are not drunk, as you suppose. Oh, they're drunk. They are definitely drunk, but not as you suppose. Because it's the third hour of the day, which was 9 a.m. But this is that. Somebody shout, this is that. But this is that. Shout it again. This is that. Somebody shout, this is that. Oh, it's something. But it ain't what you think. It's something. It ain't even what we thought it was going to be. Now, I'm going to tell you. Oh, this is deep, y'all. I don't even know how to say this and make, and make it make, sound, make, make sense. Peter was saying, this ain't even this. this in other words, this ain't even what you see. This ain't even what you think it is. And quite frankly, we don't even know what this is. And we don't even know what's going to happen with this. But I do know this. This is that. Oh, that was spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. On your maid servants, your hand servant, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is that. We've been working on us. But now it's time to move us to that. Well! It's 11.54, y'all. I've been preaching an hour. Oh my God, I'm hungry, y'all. I want to eat something. I've been sometimes. How many know? Sometimes you eat so good in here, you can't wait to eat out there. Praise God. So in my hotel room Friday night in Columbus, Ohio, Holy Ghost moved on me at one o'clock in the morning, and I said, "Lord, I'll never want to forget this is us." God said, "You ain't," but you need to be reminded. It's time to move on from us into that. So 1 o'clock in the morning, I ordered 500 brand new bands. It's going to be here tomorrow. Says this is that. Hey, somebody. Yeah. So next Sunday, wait a minute. I'm not going to ask you to exchange. No, 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 no. Because I don't want you to forget what you had to go through and deal with when we was talking about this is us. Come on. Who knows what we might look like five years from now. We might have bands all the way up to the elbow. But I'm going to have another band right on top of it. That every time I look down, it's going to say this is us. But don't you forget you in that. Huh? Oh. But now wait a minute. If you got a this is us bracelet, how many has got one say amen? If you turn it over, what does it say? Focus 25. Now it says focus 25 because we are praying for, believing for, and giving towards. Notice I said giving towards because y'all shouted when I said praying and shouting and looking forward to it. And it got real quiet when I said giving. We've, we've got the drawings of the bathroom already ready. The construction is about to happen. we got stuff that's about to happen in the parking lot. Ma major construction is happening. Can I be real with you? The money that we need is not there. 
Quite frankly, it's because some that committed have not followed through with their commitment. That's between you and God. We ain't going to force you to do it. But if God put it on your heart, you need to do it. October of this year, believe it or not, is only 90, what is that, 93 days, 94, 94, 95 days to Elevate Conference. It's insane. On the back side of this is that bracelet, it says 2020 vision. Because God has already told me that we're going to see things clearly in 2020 because of what we did in 2019. And it's going to be because the power is going to fall. Let me tell you, they're going to come from all over in October. They're coming from the north, south, east, and west. And they're not coming for a church service. They're not even coming for preaching. They're coming with an attitude of expectancy, which is the breeding ground of miracles. And God is going to put three generals on this platform and a praise team that's going to be on a level like you never dreamed. And the power of God is going to fall in this place. This balcony is going to be filled under that balcony is going to be filled and the power of God is going to be manifested we are going to operate in that get up on your feet all over this house and shout this is that somebody say this is that raise your hands Father in the name of Jesus as we get ready to move into the next phase from this is us to this is that Help us to see, God, that it's not about us. Never was about us. We were just trying to get the house in order to get ready for that. This is that. We want a Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2 experience. We believe that this place is going to be a place of miracles. Harvest. Souls being saved. Lives being changed. We are silent no more. We are silent no more. Holy Ghost, move. If you're here today and you've got sin in your life, you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you have been a backslidden state where you've known the Lord and some things and trials of your life have pulled you away, but you need to rededicate your life to God. You're in a safe place. I want to pray for you. I want to lead you in a prayer that changed my life and changed everybody else's life that's in this place. No judgment, no judgment zone. But if that's you and you want to get some things right, I'm going to ask you to come and stand before me right now. Come on, who's going to be bold? No hands going up today. And this kind of power, walk in it. Come on. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Let's get it right. Don't take it home with you. You want to walk in power? You can't walk in power holding on to that junk. Who is it? Anybody? 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 Three seconds. Three two, one. Now here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem what just happened. On the one side, it's awesome. Because if everybody's being honest, and quite frankly, I don't think everybody's being honest, but if everybody's being honest with themselves and with their, with their heart where it is with God, then that means if the Lord came back right now, this place is empty. It means everybody, that's the good side of that coin. If everybody is being honest with themselves and with the Lord, that means every single person is going to be raptured to be with the Lord. But the other side of that coin is this. Not one of us brought one person that needed Jesus with us today. Or they're not being honest. It needs to be a passion when you're in that. To know that when you come in this place, this is that. What they need is here. So bring them. Bring. You say, well, well, Pastor, if I do, this will scare them. It may confuse them, but I want to tell you something. I didn't get to it in my notes, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that tongues, the manifestation and the evidence of the power of God, is not for a sign to the believers, but it is a sign to the unbelievers. In other words, that's what happened when this is that was poured out. All those people, most of those people were unbelievers, but they were drawn to it. And they were confused going, 
I don't know what this is, but I need to know more about it. So don't be afraid. We're not going to let chaos go on in here. It's going to be done in order. But the power of God is going to operate at Solid Rock Church. And people who are tired of dead and dry churches and people who are looking for the supernatural, they are coming. Get your house ready so that you can minister to them when they come.